Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got a really interesting guest for us today, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. She is a intimate marriage expert and a intimacy coach and counselor. We're going to hear about all the work that she does, and I'm really happy to bring her onto the show. So, um, Alexandra, if that's okay, um, welcome. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, all my friends call me Chris. I don't like the doctor title. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I can call you Alexandra if that's okay. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not formal at all. Excellent. Um, so kind of tell set the stage, tell people about your background and how you got started and how you transitioned into um, intimacy coach and expert. Okay. Well, there's so many things to say, but I think this is the one that I'll start with. So I met my husband in medical school. We've now been married for 27 years. We have four children. He still practices medicine. He's a pain management doctor. And we met the first week of medical school and the first 10 years of our relationship included dating, getting engaged, getting married, having one child just after my third year of medical school and the second one just before I started my internship. And so the first 10 years, we were just super busy. Yes, we were in love, we were enjoying one another, but we were super busy. And I always thought that once we had more time together, then we would have the most amazing intimate life. I thought all we need is more time. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years in, we don't have babies in diapers. We have our most evenings and weekends available to be with one another. And I realized that actually it wasn't just time that we needed. We had the time and our marriage wasn't what I dreamed it would be, even though we got along very well and we're very compatible, but things were just kind of dehydrated. And I went on a journey that included taking a very in-depth sex and intimacy training that doubled as a coach training. But at the time, I didn't actually know what a coach was. That was not really on my horizon at all. But I'm very interested in how people learn. And so I went to the teaching lab to see how are they teaching these skills and I just fell in love with the experience and so much of what I went into medicine to do to facilitate transformation, more health, healing, happiness, and ooh la la goodness in people's lives. I am much more able to do that through relationship and intimacy coaching. And I also have so much more freedom pretty much on every parameter. Yeah, really, uh, really interesting. And I, I think a lot of them, um, it'll really resonate with the um, physicians out there. Um, they've, we've gone through the same background, the med school residency, all the training. Um, so kind of talk about why did you transition from practicing medicine to becoming an intimate marriage expert? Really, once I personally cracked the code on how to take a loving companionship and a marriage that looked good on the outside and make it feel really good and electric and exciting on the inside. It just opened my mind to possibilities. And I have been really glad to show other couples how to do that too. What I do, it's not 
It's not widely available. It's not widely available for smart people. There are many people who do work with therapists and counselors and so forth, but for people who are driven, ambitious, high achieving, really educated professionals, we are used to looking at problems, doing our research, figuring it out and solving those problems. And if it doesn't work, then we do it again and go on to the next thing. Like we are used to like looking at what needs to be done and then making it happen. And it is very confronting when there are challenges in marriage, whether it's communication, emotional intimacy, sex, whatever it is, we can't use our same skill set to just be ambitious and make things happen. And there's something really confronting for someone who is used to feeling competent all of the time to then navigate challenges or kind of bland, stale sensibilities in a marriage. And I love showing smart people how to use their smarts in the realm of intimacy. Yeah, I love that. Um, kind of like, uh, you know, me and my wife, we have like a, like a date night and we try to, you know, keep the sparks going and just kind of, you know, when we're in our younger years. But um, why do so many married couples live as roommates? What, what happens? I think one of the most fundamental issues has to do with the relationship advice that is given pretty much to everybody. It is far and away the most common relationship advice. And that is, if you want a good marriage, you have to be good at compromise. Mm. If you want to be happy, you have to be good at compromise. And that is completely wrong. If you want a bland, pleasant, safe, comfortable companionship, compromise is absolutely the way to go. But if you want a dynamic relationship, intimacy, erotic gratification, excitement, the spark is alive and flourishing, compromise will never get you that. And the reason is that compromise fundamentally means dialing down who you are, withholding what's important to you, or even what's challenging to you, but withholding what is what's inside you so that your partner can be more comfortable. Mm. And the name of my book actually is Uncompromising Intimacy. My method is the Uncompromising Intimacy Method. And I show couples and individuals how to be uncompromising in intimacy. But I want to be very clear, when I talk about being uncompromising, I do not mean that you always get your own way. It's not that sense of uncompromising. It's that where compromise is withholding important parts of yourself so your partner is more comfortable, uncompromising intimacy is learning to share who you really are, the whole truth of yourself in a way that your partner can receive it. Mm. That's very powerful because what you're talking about is polarity. And, and I love this idea because basically, you know, kind of society waters us down and conditions us to be uh, good, you know, good. But, you know, when you talk about relationships, especially like either, you know, you know, whatever um, 
uh, sexual preference you have, but you know, either the dynamic is usually, you know, there's a masculine and feminine. It has to, there has to be a polarity, you know, that's, and then, um, you know, the female wants the, the man to be, she, he, that he's able to stand in his own ground and, you know, she's able to free flow and kind of talking about that, um, which is, you know, essential in relationships. But, you know, again, society is kind of like, basically neuters us down to kind of um what you were talking about yeah although i do want to say something because i think for a couple that is roommates or the sex is dehydrated very unfree infrequent uh -huh. then really playing with masculine and feminine feminine polarities can be very helpful but for an audience of high achieving ambitious men and women that may be the way to really heat up a marriage and it may not be. And so since you brought it up, I do want to address it because there are particularly many women who are go-getters, you know, trauma surgeons, uh, nephrologists, I don't know what I can say, like real you know, subspecialty orthodontics, dentists, whatever it is, like super high achieving women yeah. who are used to managing and treating their spouse like an employee and the marriage ends up being kind of flat when it comes to sexuality and sensuality. Yeah. And when she has room to be more feminine, the marriage becomes balanced, harmonious, loving and erotically exciting that is one way that can play out uh -huh. but that is not true for all women there are women who are real ambitious go-getters and they do not want to have to be soft and feminine in these traditional ways that is not actually their native way so for them being on that would be a form of compromise. It would be a form of role playing, being feminine. And for such a woman, being uncompromising is much more broad spectrum. So we, we don't necessarily need to go further into this right now, but I just wanna say that for smart, ambitious people, whether it's the five love languages or masculine, feminine polarity, or any of the other kind of simple categories, when things are really kind of stale and diluted in a marriage, those are great ways to jumpstart things. But whether or not that's just a starting point to get things in motion again, or that really is the whole answer to having a magnificent marriage, really depends on the individuals involved. Mm. Yeah, really, because uh, one thing I had a question about is, um, when you talk about this very um masculine female the masculine female um if that's their core nature so one thing i've always wondered is um i find that uh not all the time but just kind of i'm generalizing but um masculine females they may do you find that they struggle in relationships because either men are intimidated by them or basically are they better off with a more feminine male or or just basically because basically if you have, you need to match the polarity you need to have a very dominant masculine male so what are your thoughts on that well i think maybe bias given what my work is that 
most people to some degree struggle in their relationships. So it's not unique for sure to the, I wouldn't call her a masculine woman, but mm-hmm. an ambitious driven woman. Yeah, I don't think she especially struggles. I think there are struggles unique to every situation. But what I do think is that for such a woman to really be happy and gratified and feel supported and adored, she does need to access vulnerability. Yeah. But the thing is, if we're simplistic in our understanding of feminine qualities and masculine qualities, then when she's vulnerable, she's supposed to have a soft tone and a gentle Mm. posture and share with a magical voice from her heart. There are many women for whom accessing that energy is profoundly healing. They get to feel more alive and more who they are. There Mm. are other women for whom that would make them nauseous. Like that is not who they really are. And so one of the things that arises when I'm coaching couples where the woman has this ambitious drive and is at the top of her field, whatever it is, then her husband in a heteronormative context needs to understand that she might say, I don't want to go to the party tonight in just that kind of tone. Mm. And it's actually a profoundly vulnerable communication. It is coming from deep inside her. She is giving herself permission not to fulfill this obligation. It just doesn't come packaged in pink and lace, but it's still a vulnerable communication, even if it comes packaged in uh, neon or leather. <laughs> so for for anyone who's really ambitious and driven, the simple descriptions have some essential truth in them, but in the application, it's always a lot more sophisticated and nuanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You, that, that. you know, your answers bring a lot of insights because you talk about vulnerability and sometimes you know either not just a woman but sometimes a man needs to let down his guard too you know kind of show that um maybe that's something that you know is attractive to the other woman as well um or the other um partner the other question is um i have a what you when you talk about um high performing relationship and we know what high performance means in sports and business but what does it mean in relationships Yeah, I really love this question because it's not something people tend to think about because, yes, whether it's a financial goal or efficiency or impact, high perform or health even, (laughs) we know what high performance is. And so when it comes to high performance in a relationship, the first thing I want to say is that it absolutely exists. If you are oriented towards high performance in the rest of your life, do not make the terrible mistake of leaving your relationship out of your high performance attitudes, mindset, and implementation. Now, what that looks like 
on the one hand, it's going to be very unique and individual to the particular people involved. It is going to be a form of letting go of compromise and going all in in self-expression and relational awareness. And that's going to depend on the personalities, the biographies, the intentions. So I don't have some like general description, but I will say that one of the fundamental kind of unfortunate societal memes, this is especially true in sex, but it's also true in relationships overall, is that we tend to think, oh, you just have to find the right person, you get married, and then you're good to go. You know, there's some ups and downs, but basically you're good to go. Or when it comes to sex, we think, we have the most amazing sex, hopefully, in our 20s and 30s. And then as bodies change and stress and just all the various considerations, then we expect it to be downhill from there because the peak was when we were in our 30s. For women, it's very clear, the evidence is very clear that we don't actually peak until our 60s and 70s. So. Mm. The main thing that I want to say about a high performance relationship is that one of the essential elements is having a growth mindset in relationship. So what does that look like practically? Well, it looks like each person really doing personal growth and being intentional in bringing that into the relationship and also being intentional about personal growth together. So for example, for many years, my husband and I had something that we were working on within our marriage every month. It could be something in how we touch one another. It could be we were reading an inspiring book together. It could be we took cooking classes together. It could be fitness related. It might also be um, that he was pursuing his things and I was pursuing mine. And we were kind of giving one another space as a way to grow our relationship. In other words, people tend to have so much attention for their relationships and then they become comfortable and they take the attention off. And that is just um, on the way to a conflict-free, passion-free relationship. The main essential to a high-performance relationship is applying a growth mindset at the macro level and at the micro level in every single interaction. How can it be more true? How can it be more connected in a way that is interdependent and not codependent. Yeah, very powerful. I love these, um, you know, you said very, um, you know, vulnerability and then interdependent as opposed to codependent, um, uh, really powerful. How can people uh, contact you, um, check out your work, follow you on social media, etc.? Thank you. Yeah, my website is alexandrastockwell.com, which is the gateway to everything. So you can download the first chapter of my book, you, Uncompromising Intimacy. That first chapter actually is chock full of a lot of information about the different types of relationships and how to transform them. And then my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, I have a highly ranked podcast, the Intimate Marriage Podcast. I'm on all the social media platforms. And so 
You can get to all of that starting at alexandrastockwell.com. Yeah, really fascinating discussion. And, um, and like I said, um, you know, medical school didn't teach us business skills. They didn't teach us these types of, you know, they really taught us more just like diagnosis, treatment, you know, therapy. Um, so, and this is something we have to learn either by through the school of hard knocks or through uh, coaches such as yourself. So all of Alexandra's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to give her a follow. Um, and with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you.